So good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, you're all very welcome here this morning to CHQ in Dublin's Docklands for the opening of the Vienna Model, Housing for the 21st Century Exhibition. The City Council and the Housing Agency are working in partnership with Weimar Bochen, which is the housing agency of the city-state of Vienna and the city of Vienna, to bring this exhibition to you. And it's a wonderful exhibition. It's uh, an exhibition of 60 prototypical forms of housing across 100 years of Vienna's housing history. Hello and welcome to a special series of This Is Where We Live, a podcast project about how we shape and create great places to live. I'm Helen Shaw, and in this short series, we're bringing you some of the highlights of public conversations that took place earlier this year in the Vienna model, Housing for the 21st Century. And these were seminars that were hosted by the Dublin Housing Observatory. These seminars brought together expert international and Irish voices to explore ideas and challenges around housing. And it gave us the opportunity to see what lessons Ireland can take from the Vienna housing model and that city's concept of public housing and how it can help cities like Dublin that are experiencing a significant housing crisis today. So it's appropriate then that we start with the story of Vienna itself and how it's come to be a global leader in housing policy. So here is Michaela Kaur, who is director of the Vienna House in Brussels, representing Vienna's voice at the European Union, from a session on housing for all, where Michaela outlines why seeing housing as a human right is at the core of the Vienna model. This is the year 2019 where we will celebrate 100 years of municipal housing in Vienna. 100 years ago, 24 of 100 children under the age of six were dying before they reached the age of six. So we were a city like many other cities at that time in Europe with miserable living conditions, with miserable housing conditions, with a lot of diseases. The tuberculosis, I'm not sure if you know that, was known as the Viennese disease because so many people were suffering and dying from that. And at that time, 1919, uh, so the first three elections in Vienna and the Social, Socialist Party won and immediately started to set up a program and what you see here is kind of the, I would say it's the symbol of what they did. They built palaces for the working class. This is how they called the municipal houses they would construct. Until the beginning of 1934, when the first fascist regime uh, came to Austria, they built 66,000 of those flats. And they spread that all over the city. And this is something where today, still, we are very happy that they did have an approach of distributing all this all over the city. Because this was a guarantee that uh, they continued with that after World War II when they restarted the program. And it was also the guarantee that something which we call, and we are re really proud about, social mix and social cohesion and a fair distribution of all people of all kinds of incomes and all kinds of backgrounds over the whole city territory is guaranteed. 
Because for us, this is vital. This means that we do not have something like no-go areas. We do not have places like in Paris or in the banlieues of Paris, you might know that, the, the, where you have the, 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 the big apartment complexes with no infrastructure, no social, no nothing, no sports, no schools, no, not, no even no telephone cells. Yeah. I mean, today with all the mobile phones, it's a little bit uh, outdated, but they were not having opportunities to have, make a phone call in many cases. So these, these are things we did, not, ne did never want in Vienna, and we never did. And what I think is it's very special about our approach is after World War II, we continued to construct. We had nearly 40,000 homes destroyed, of course, due to the war. And we had a little bit like 35,000 people homeless. There was a big need for affordable housing. So in the time between, I would say, World War II and the 60s, 70s, we built another 180,000. But So today we arrive at 220,000. Uh, this is why we, we today we have 220,000 municipal flats in the city. In the, those 20,000, 500 million people live. So this is about a quarter of the population. We are now at about 1.9 uh, million in Vienna, and 500,000 do actually live in municipal housing. Adds to the number of 220,000 municipal flats, the 200,000 flats of the limited profit associations, cooperative housing. And then you will have a number which is quite impressive for many people. Nearly 62% of our population is living in publicly funded or publicly owned housing. And that is something where um, the financialization of the housing markets in our cities is really a big issue. And of course, when you have such a big publicly funded and rent-controlled housing stock in a city, obviously this has an effect on the overall real estate market because it's lowering down the pressure, it's taking out pressure in the market. However, we also in Vienna see the effects of financialization in our housing market. Anyway, we are not going to let go. What we are now introducing, because I think it's really important to mention the fact that Whatever we did at that time, the philosophy is still there. So when we built Karl Maxhof and similar complexes, it was not only homes. Yeah? The, what they wanted, they wanted sun, light, and air for the working class. And they added to the simple homes and the simple flats. As you can see here, this is quite modern. This is from the 70s, has been refurbished. Um, they added to that playgrounds, community gardens, clubs for the pensionists. Of course, infrastructure of all kinds, kindergartens, even sometimes schools. And today when we do a new development in the city, like we did in the north of the city, a very big development site, we would start with building the metro. We build the metro before there's even the thinking of a house there. Yeah? And then we will put up a big camera, a camera on a big uh, you know, tower. So people would constantly be able to see on the web as how the development site is going on. And then we will start doing the houses. Yeah. So what we aim at is, of course, maintaining the social mix, and that we can only maintain the social mix in Vienna when we acknowledge that there, there should also be a mixed tenures. So we have the municipal, we have the cooperative, and we have the private, obviously, as any, any city. 
But what the difference is between, uh, I think, many, many cities and us, we have a highly regulated rent market, a rental system. We have a rental system that was also back, like more than 100 years, tenants are, have been protected better and better each year and each decade. So what we need, if we acknowledge the fact that the market is not working in the housing sector, that's fin de l'histoire. It's as simple as that. Market is not working for people. Whatever you do to develop your system, think of not only doing it on a needs-based assessment or demands-based, think of doing it on a rights-based assessment. Housing is a human right. And if you start thinking from that angle, I think you will also see that the whole philosophy as you how design your governance system will change. Because creating a right, or really stating that it is a right, as we did, most of us signed the, fundamental charter, the Charter of Fundamental Rights of the European Union and other doc important documents. We are all parts of the uh, Sustainable Development Goals process, our countries. So even if your government uh, doesn't help you in the city, remind them that they have signed some of these important documents and they should apply those rights to the policies they are designing. I think that this is really important to you know, get the, any help that you need, but also look beyond the borders and look to important charters and documents that have been set up on international level. And this is why I recommend also to everyone who's, who's asking me, how do you do it? Because, I mean, we could say, okay, you just only take 100 years, you never sell that off, you do a lot to protect the tenants, but then, in fact, this would be too easy, and nobody has 100, times, uh, 100 years of time now, so it's a little bit crazy. But what I would go for is try to have a diversified social and affordable housing system. And what you do here, I really think it's a very great and very important undertaking. And I also think that you should exchange with others about more models even. Having, for instance, you have this discussion about ownership here, yeah? And ownership seems to be a very big issue. As where in Vienna, normally it's like you rent, yeah? But maybe we can think of systems in between. And the modern word for is is co-ownership. The old word, and it's a bit maybe outdated, but I like outdated things at some point, it's cooperatives. Because it's, I'm, I'm, my flat in Vienna is a cooperative housing association, so I'm a co-owner of that organization, and being a co-owner entitles me to live there for my whole life. I share the responsibility, but I also share the risk. So I think it's a very good model, and I'm coming to something which uh, was initially the topic, migration and integration. Obviously, Vienna, with its, in its geographical position, has always been like at the crossroads of many, many people. I'm not talking about the Turks now in the 17th century, but obviously we had Yugoslavia, we had the old Austro-Hungarian Empire, we have big and historic ties to all the neighboring countries. Today, we have 181 nationalities living in our city, so it's not so different, I think, from Dublin, you also have this um, diversity. And traditionally, the, the, the biggest groups are the, the Yugoslav people, because they were there as working migrants already before the Yugoslavia war. But I have to remind you that in 56, we took in a lot of Hungarians, because in 56, we had the Hungarian revolt. In, uh, in the 80s, the Polish came uh, after um, the movement of, um, you know, the, the trade unions there. Solidarność, yeah? 
So also Polish have been, uh, have been migrants for working reasons as well a lot, but also for political reasons later on. In the 90s, I remind you of the incredible war in Bosnia and Yugoslavia. We had 90,000 Bosnians coming to Austria, it, like in a one. So when today I listen to all these, I hate the word, refugee crisis, it's not we have a crisis with refugees, it's refugees having a crisis because they have to leave their homes for reasons which nobody wants to have in his or her life ever. And so when we talk about this movement of people who had to flee their homes in a very sudden moment, we took in 22,000 Syrians in the past eight years, in Vienna only. We managed to, to make pass by refugees from, from Syria and, and other countries in the, what was it, summer and, and autumn of 15, where you remember there, were the, there was really big movements and problems with Hungary, and we were you know, neighboring to Hungary, so we had to take a lot of people in, and we had to really make sure that they are, they are safe on their journey. Even if some would not stay in Vienna, which also was possible, and we made possible, so we, we really had, we have a habit to handle that. Yeah? And we ha also have a habit to handle that in our housing system. What we see is that some countries are more reluctant to use our publicly funded housing system than others because they are coming from, from traditions where ownership is the thing. Without owning a home, it's like this is a question of status, even if it's economically stupid. Yeah? I mean, because I think in most cases, home ownership is also an illusion because it's bank ownership. Yeah? And we know who, who was behind the, the causes of the global financial crisis back 10 years back. So it was part was in the housing system, right? So just to remind that, because this is just to remind ourselves all the time, the market will not work for housing, for the provision of affordable housing for all. The market will never work. It has proved it, it is evidenced, and we should start to base our policies on that evidence. Part of the, the whole history and a whole story than, than just uh, being a tenant and someone is going to do everything and, and I can write complain and you know all these issues. So create communities is, would be my, my last recommendation if, if I talk about governance and that can be of course exciting but also exhausting because it's working. It needs hard work sometimes because people do not understand each other that easily. Some speak better German, some not. And it's not obviously always the Austrians who speak the best German. Uh, but you really try to find a common language and, and create a common identity and make them proud of what is municipal and cooperative housing. Make them proud to be living in good conditions and to be a community because I think without uh, also with all the, the technical aspects and the planning aspects, it's also a hard aspect you need in housing policy. And um, you need to make people feel at home because it's not, it's not houses we're talking about, it's homes. Thank you. Michaela Cower there, unpacking why the Vienna model is about homes, not houses. At that session, Rory O'Donnell, director of NESC, the National Economic Social Council, responded to the Vienna model, and in particular to that concept of cost rental, where affordable housing is provided to rent by the city at cost rather than profit, 
ensuring secure tenure for people. The Vienna model shows the need for public bodies with the mandate and resources to drive urban development. And the question is, are we there yet in Ireland? With the development of the regional plans, the metropolitan strategic area plans, there still remains, I suppose, an anxiety, and it's articulated in our next forthcoming report on transport-oriented development, that we may not yet have the actors in place or the actors empowered or mandated and connected with each other sufficiently to drive development of the kind that we need. Secondly, the Vienna model shows us that affordable rental will require both public and private land or perhaps more land than we have in public ownership currently in Ireland. And that's critical because the challenge of doing affordable cost rental on publicly owned land is very significant, very complex, and we're starting into it now with Dublin City and the Land Development Agency and others. But we know that we will need to bring private land into the picture. Uh, one question, it's not the only one, is will the Land Development Agency be empowered to strongly shape the use of private land? Thirdly, cost rental engineers in permanent affordability into the supply system. And in fact, it, it's funny, in recent years, we felt that the term cost rental was too kind of in-housey housing studies speak and a bit mysterious. So we, we switched to the term permanent affordable to try and convey what we're talking about. It's not just affordable now or 80% of the market rent. It's permanently affordable. Only to discover that the term cost rental has now been adopted, including by community groups who have seen the shape of the problem in, in their areas. So uh, we can drop the obscure permanent affordable, although it does convey an important message, and use the C word if, if we have to. But the question I ask on this one is, is it really recognised that we need to engineer affordability into the supply system, that affordability, permanent affordability of housing is not about accepting the costs whether the physical cost of development, the land costs and the rents and the cost of finance as they emerge from a market system and then giving those in need enough money to bid their way into a slice of that. It's not about that. It's about engineering this affordability in from the start. It's not 100% clear that this is really accepted. Fourthly, affordable rental is underpinned by the cost of both land and finance. Now, in Ireland, we've tended, because the land system has been so dysfunctional and so speculative in recent decades, we've tended to focus on the land dimension, the huge cost of land once it gets to a speculative peak, the, the, the monopoly control of land, etc. But Certainly talking to housing experts, whether that they're in the private sector or in the approved housing bodies, they always sort of remind me that actually the cost of finance is really critical too. Uh, in fact, in some ways, it may be more critical in terms of making rents affordable. That raises an important question. How can the EIB or other financial providers bring finance into this development on appropriate terms 
which makes it uh, feasible to have cost rental. And that brings with it other questions, which I think people are more expert than I to develop. Should we be aiming for loans which we pay off in 25, 30 years? Or should we think of permanent finance, which is rolled over? And is that a more feasible way to underpin affordable rents? Fifthly, cost rental integrates social and affordable housing systems. And as Michaela precisely hinted at, this raises questions for our traditional social housing system of rental and supply, whether it's the development and ownership by local authorities, whether it's differential rent or tenant purchase. We probe these questions in a gentle way in 2014, but they do, they do lurk below the surface. And indeed, the commitment to socially integrated mixed income housing, which I think is great that the government has made it, but there's two versions of it. One is we're so committed to that that we'll ration the supply of social housing so there isn't too much of it in any one place and too much social tenants in any one location. And there's a danger that the commitment to integration is actually a constraint on quantity. Or do we follow the logic of it wholesale and really develop affordable rental, mixing social and, and affordable housing? Sixthly, I think the Vienna model shows us the relationship between quality and quantity can be positive. Now, we know from Irish experience that it can also be negative. And in our 2004 report, we explored this in great depth, the relationship between the quantity and quality of social housing. Because at that time, after certain social housing, social disasters in Dublin, not many, but some, government and local authorities had become fearful of quantity and had pulled back. And indeed, I wonder if we're, if we're out of that yet. I wonder whether we've escaped the mindset, you know, where quantity and quality, you have to choose one or the other. And I think the Vienna model shows that if you engineer it correctly, you don't necessarily. But then I've, I've brought this argument to private sector actors who say to me, but that's just obvious. Port good portfolio management principles and property development principles are always create an asset that's so good that it will always be in demand. And I think that's what the Vienna model shows us. Everyone will want to live in these units, bar someone who wants to live in a, in a castle. And finally then, I'm speculating a bit here, but it may even be easier to start this journey on a large scale. Now, obviously, it's always done by incremental projects. It has to be done by projects. Rather than in very, very tentative pilots, which I think is the discussion may be stuck in Ireland at the moment, I get the impression about the EIB, that the EIB would prefer a member state or other actor to come with a big project than a teeny one. And maybe we need to think about that, that issue of scale. I'll finish then by, by posing two questions. In terms of the institutions, have we got it right now with the LDA, the Land Development Agency, or do we need other steps in terms of municipal housing entities or others? And connected to that then, bringing the, the EIB are we moving towards a financial model which is adequate or do we need to think in terms of EIB and other investment, including private money, which may play a critical role? Thank you very much. It's interesting that Michaela Cower, who represented the city of Vienna at the seminar, took time and trouble 
to stress why Vienna wanted to export its housing model, but how she also sees this relationship between Vienna and Dublin as a two-way street, where both cities and both people can benefit and learn. We were here like 25 years ago, much younger, but the, we, we visited Dublin. We wanted to learn from you. It's not only a one-way thing, it's, it's always a mutual thing. And I think this is something we, we should always think about when we talk about working together. When we talk about housing, we are all aware that this is a massive problem in most of the European cities today. It is a problem that leads to a lot of social, economic and environmental challenges in our cities especially. Our housing markets all over Europe are on the edge of collapsing and we have to be really honest about that. We see that people cannot afford to live in the homes their parents built a generation ago. This is something we should not accept in our European societies. This is why Vienna has not only been very proud over and over again to you know, do all this in housing. This is why we said we are not going to rest on the merits of the past and on the things we're doing today. We are going to try and build alliances to change things also all over Europe. This is why we are going to also address the European Union with a number of uh, demands that will help us in the cities to have better conditions for investment in affordable housing. We need to invest. You're trying to put up a very big investment program on the ground. I really think this is absolutely important. You have to find the money. At the moment, we have a lot of rules on EU level and a lot of problems as how can cities really absorb EU funding, for instance. A lot of cities cannot do it. And we have uh, investment conditions that are good for hedge funds, global players, but that are not good for those who want to create affordable housing in their cities. So there's a lot to do also on European level. And this is also why I came here, not only to share with you the beautiful history Vienna has and the things that we are doing today in our city, it's also to learn from you and also to build an alliance for more affordable housing for everyone in Europe, because this is what is the European Union about? This is what the European promise to all of us was like more than 60 years ago. Thank you very much. Michaela Kauer there, director of the Vienna House in Brussels and a spokesperson for the city of Vienna. That's all for this first podcast in our Vienna Model 21st Century Housing series. To find out more about the topics and our speakers, go to the website housingmodeldublin.ie and do catch up on our full podcast channel on thisiswherewelive.ie. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.